This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Welcome back. I love the music. Thank you, sir. We are just bopping our heads here in the studio to a little bit of a little bit of Dre and Snoop, I think, actually. Very, very cool. Next time I'm going to do a rap, though. Uh, welcome back. Professor America's here, a.k.a. the hip-hop prof, the empirical pimp. I'm legit with a logit, the militant poet, so act like you know it. Uh, this is Marketing Matters on Sirius XM's Business Radio Channel 111. Barbara is out today, so you're riding shotgun with your boy A.R., This is Marketing Matters, the show that proves that the difference between success and failure is your ability to segment, target, position, and message to your consumers. Marketing Matters airs live every Wednesday from 5 to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and is, of course, replayed several times throughout the week. Well, we're going to talk a little bit about mood in just a second, but I have to put my producer on the spot because uh, I just learned out this this latest news just in. She lost her iPhone, as a matter of fact. Uh, what, What happened there, Michelle? I'm in a terrible mood. Uh, terrible. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, listen to this. This is bad luck. This is absolutely bad luck. What happened? Um, so, yeah, I was walking down the street, not doing what that song just said, but I was walking down the street. <laughs> um, and a couple of kids came by and just had a nice wow. little process where they signal to one another and they run by and grab it. Grab your phone. Nothing I can do. I chased them. Wow. Don't a detective is on it. That's the worst thing you could possibly worst do. Thing. Right. Um, not advocating that, but the a detective is on it, and he called me today, and he's like, yeah, we have a clear video. Wow. I was like, great. You're watching me at my finest moment. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, wow. so I'm going to go look at it today and just to verify that it's me. And Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Hold on to your phones. We, yeah, hold on to your phones, ladies and germs. We, you know, we used to call that mugging. Now it's like, right. you know, now that now maybe, I don't know, these kids, they're like borrowing your phone. I don't know. That's pretty incredible. You were probably in a bad mood, yes? Yeah, I, I got there, definitely. That'll do it to you. I did call it mugging a couple of times, and I felt like it was an over, like it was an over-exaggeration of what happened. Mm. I feel like I got swiped. Like gotcha. somebody came by and just grabbed my phone. Gotcha, gotcha. Like there was no violence. It was just like they wanted that device, so they took it. Interesting, yeah. crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. Guys, listen, mood affects everything. I mean, you know, you can be walking down the street, something weird can happen, and suddenly your mood changes, and suddenly now, perhaps, even in the marketplace, your consumption behavior, how you approach a decision, that might also change as a function of mood, and in that vein, I'm happy to welcome our next guest to the program. This is Anastasia Pochepsova-Ghosh. She is Assistant Professor of Marketing at the University of Arizona. Welcome to the program, Anastasia. Hi, Americas. Thank you for having me on. It's extremely exciting to have you on. So, of course, I have to start. I always want, want to introduce my listeners to our guests, Anastasia, and especially when we have scholars who are going to come on and demystify these issues that we study in marketing uh, from a scholarly perspective. So I want you to tell our listeners to start, uh, give us some context as to your particular journey into how you got interested in, in terms of what you study and just, you know, but the professorial lifestyle, I guess, and all of those interesting kinds of things. Sure. Um, so I actually used to work for an advertising agency as oh. an account planner. Uh, and at some point I started asking questions mm-hmm. about, you know, why this particular technique is working. And usually we just use it because it used to work for a previous campaign or a previous company. 
uh, without kind of thinking a little bit more about, well, maybe there is a bigger reason why mm. this particular technique is working. Mm-hmm. And I went on to get my master's in University of Texas in Austin in uh, advertising. That wasn't enough for me. Mm-hmm. So I proceeded to do a PhD in judgment and decision-making from Yale. Oh. Um, and that seemed to satisfy me. So I kind of stuck with <laughs> You, you <laughs> have very high kind of standards, uh, Anastasia, very high standards. <laughs> so that Yale, Yale is very intellectually you know, stimulating. You know, the advertising world, maybe less so, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, so then what happened after that? Um, so I was always interested in how emotions influence decision-making. Mm. Uh, we know a lot about how sort of there is cognitive influence in decision-making, how what choices we give to people affect them, uh, but not as much on things that are more fleeting, like mood states, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mood is something we all can relate to, right? We all can tell whether we're happy or sad, right? Um, but we don't necessarily understand how it can systematically change how we make choices, mm-hmm, for example, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. are completely unrelated to those states. Mm-hmm. And so to help our, because it's interesting because one of the things that I, I find curious, Anastasia, and you're, you know, you're here to help us with this, is that once researchers start studying stuff, they study stuff at a very uh, kind of sort of complex uh, sort of way. In other words, you know, when you talk to the lay person on the str- on the street, they probably don't. They probably use the word mood, emotion, at, you know, these things interchangeably. And I think you can tell me this is true. But as we think about mood versus emotion, researchers want to parse out the differences and kind of understand them as kind of different ideas in some senses that can have potentially different impacts on consumer decision-making and marketplace behavior. Would you say that is, is, is the case? I mean, wh- why don't you tell our listeners, what, what's the, what is the difference between a mood and an emotion? Is that the same thing? Are they different? Or Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, they're a little bit different. Um, I think we use emotions to refer to very specific kind of emotions, angry, um, happy, mm-hmm. um, you know, anxious. Right, uh, that has both uh, balance associated with it, but some sort of cognitive connotation to it. Right, I can I feel very differently when I'm angry versus when I'm sad. Mm-hmm. Um, on the other hand, when we refer to mood states, there are much more mild emotions. Much more what so types of emotions? Sorry, mild. Anastasia. Mild, okay. Much more mild, okay. So we generally identify them just by balance. You can be in positive mood, you can be in negative mood, without okay. giving any more specifics to it. Gotcha. But you would never see someone in in a you would never but but oh this is interesting because in some senses Anastasia they 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 are subsets of each other would you say that's correct so in other words essentially yeah, yeah because I can't be in a positive mood and be angry at the same time I mean positive mood comes from you know happiness or these other sorts of more cognitively architectured. Uh, emotions, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Okay. But but but, but t- those mood doesn't necessarily need to be identified with something, right? Gotcha. Right. Can they could just be kind of they they could just be sort of floating around, if you will, like in the case mm-hmm. with my producer, you, you, something happens bad, and like now I'm in this, sort of this bad mood, and I just it's just mm-hmm. going to bleed over into other things, other things. It, 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 and th- th- that kind of thing. That's very interesting. So tell us a little bit about so you, you had this passion point around emotions because you you figured okay, emotions are important. How, what, when did you first mm-hmm. start studying? trying to capture emotions in a way that allows you to study them uh, really scientifically? What were some of the things that you did initially? 
Well, I think it goes back to this, my work in advertising. Mm -hmm. And one of the most common tactics you'll see in any advertisement or any kind of persuasive context in general is we try to make people happy, right? <laughs> we use music, we use, you know, puppies, uh, babies, etc. cetera, mm -hmm. uh, just to put people in this very vague, positive, effective state. Mm -hmm. um, and the presumption is just it makes everything better. Right. People are going to like our products if we put them next to a positive, effective stimuli. Gotcha. Um, and I was always curious whether it's always true. Mm -hmm. Does it have this strong effect all the time? Mm -hmm. um, so that's how I got into studying when it doesn't. And so, so you, this is interesting because there's often, Anastasia, a kind of d disconnect between sort of industry practice and the scholarly complexity that's required to understand a phenomenon in its totality. And sometimes practitioners are sort of running with sort of their lay intuition without having, I think this is your point, without having tested, you know, when will this be effective and under what conditions? Would you say that that's sort of a correct way to think about it? That is absolutely the correct way to think about it. And also consumers have kind of similar intuition. I have another work where I show that consumers believe that being a positive effect is going to influence their oh. evolution of products mm -hmm. in the same way. Uh, but it doesn't always happen in real sort of uh, experiences. So, so what are some of the conditions under? I love this idea because it's like uh, you know we immediately have a critical insight for our listeners out there and advertisers. Like, listen, don't just put puppies in there and kittens and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it might not work according to uh, to uh, to our no. guru that we're talking with here. So, what what under what circumstances have you, has your research documented that it will work and will not work? So generally, it works better if you use if consumers going to be choosing from a single product okay so often we see this not only in advertising but like in you know restaurant for example right we spend a lot of money creating the ambience the atmosphere generally raises your positive affect mm -hmm. so in those situations when i'm not actually making choices uh, i'm oh. just evaluating one product or one experience positive mood can actually raise evaluations okay um but in situation when there is some choice conflict, when I'm choosing between products or services that are attractive to me, but for different reasons, right? Mm -hmm. Actually, being in a positive mood can lead to choice deferral okay. or a sort of desire to postpone choice uh, or not make it immediately. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, listeners, if you're just joining us, we're talking to uh, Professor Anastasia Pochipsova Ghosh. She's professor uh, of marketing at the University of Arizona. She's telling us about her incredible research. Uh, published in the Journal of Consumer Research. Congratulations, uh, by the way. Thank that's you. fantastic. Uh, that's our flagship journal for listeners out there. That's where the best research actually ends up uh, in terms of our literature. But uh, the paper that she's talking to us about is has to do with mood and the effect of mood on choice. If you're interested in joining this conversation, one eight four four Wharton is the number. One eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. Let me ask you this, Anastasia. So this is very interesting because how did you stumble upon the idea that and under situations where there is, I guess, and you can correct me if I'm mischaracterizing this, but under the situations where there are uh, conflict or trade-off, difficult trade-offs in making product choices, your key finding and your key phenomena in the paper is that positive mood will lead to a higher likelihood that people just won't choose. How did you stumble on this idea? Well, there's a lot of uh, research in psychology that says that positive mood 
makes people more discerning. Like they can separate important non-important stuff. Oh, interesting. Uh, so, and why uh, why is that, that? Why is that, Anastasia? Well, I think the underlying idea is that being in positive mood give you more processing abilities. Okay. Um, unlike the negative mood where you're kind of in a state of flight, right? You're oh, uh, mm-hmm, trying to conserve mm-hmm, resources. Mm-hmm. In positive, you have more resources. It's gotcha. a good state to be in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it allows people to be more discerning, basically. Gotcha. So it took this idea to context of choice, and it says, well, if people are more able to separate important, non-important attributes and choices, what happens if my choice involves, let's say, you know, two flight options, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. One of them really have a good time, like very little layover. Another one is more cheaper, right? Those are two very important attributes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it also has a bunch of unimportant ones, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Inside entertainment, food, etc. Gotcha. So if I really, really zone in or focus on those two important attributes because I'm in a positive mood, it's going to highlight the fact that I have to make trade-offs between them. Mm-hmm in order to make choice. And that is very difficult to do, trade off important attributes. And that's why being in positive mood leads to more likelihood of deferring choice altogether because I really cannot decide between mm-hmm. two really important things to me. Interesting. Now let me ask you, let me throw this back at you, Anastasia. To what, do, does your research also explore the possibility that when you are in positive mood, it's like, you you are confronted with a difficult choice, just like you're saying. And could it be that I don't want to ruin my mood, so I'm not going to make the choice? Is that some is that explanation different than what you're describing, or what are your thoughts on that? So we were kind of we were throwing this explanation as one possibility, mm-hmm. and we actually ran a study where we decrease consumers' cognitive resources. Okay. Um, kind of making them make a choice with very limited cognitive resources. Okay. And the idea here was that if you don't have enough cognitive resources, this avoidance of making difficult choice because I'm in a positive mood will still be present, right? Oh. It doesn't really depend on resources. Okay. Um, but it completely killed the effect. Oh, okay. So, so it only works when you have enough resources to process information. So it's very much cognitive processing kind of explanation rather than just I'm trying to avoid making choices. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so, so the idea that they would want to keep that mood going that you, Mm -hmm. at least in terms of how you have experimentally tested this, uh, doesn't seem to bear out in the data. No. Interesting. Interesting. So, but in this positive mood context, what, so is it, it, do they at all, do they create, I mean, this is kind of related to my previous question, Anastasia, do they, do they create, there's no, is there a memory trace in consumers' minds? Are they aware of this or is the moods is something to your point? You were saying earlier that moods are, are milder and they're sort of outside of this more sophisticated emotional cognitive architecture, like things like anger, happiness, et cetera. These moods are like sort of, you know, more, you know, diffuse and just kind of out there and milder. Is that, does that create that situation that consumers then don't really don't really know that their mood is affecting this choice deferral? Can they report on that? Will they say, I had no idea why, if you ask them, why didn't you choose? Will they, will they have any kind of you know, thing in their head that points to an understanding that mood had something to do with what they were? Uh, with I don't the- think they will. Okay. Uh, we know a lot about sort of mood effects that unless you pinpoint to people say, well, mm-hmm. you're happy right now or mm-hmm. the weather is nice outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not necessarily going to make that connection, gotcha. which is interesting because if I wasn't able to make a choice because I was in a positive mood, mm-hmm. I would not necessarily record in my memory 
I couldn't make a choice because I was in positive mood. Mm -hmm. I would record in my memory, I couldn't make a choice because it was so hard to make. Gotcha, gotcha. Which is going to influence how I'm going to make similar choice later on, right? Right, that's true. So do you, what is the consequence that you find, Anastasia? Do you do a negative mood comparison, or do you just do positive mood versus control? Or a neutral uh, we mood. do positive versus neutral. Okay. Um, do you have a hypothesis as to what negative would do in, in this particular difficulty of choice context? Well, I think negative in general would lead to people uh, over-processing information mm-hmm. and uh, maybe overweighting uh, unimportant attributes. Oh, if that's if interesting. If they are trading off as well. Okay. So in one of the studies here, we show that when people are making choice between options that only require trade-offs on unimportant attributes. We don't find any effect on positive mood. Gotcha. But my hypothesis would be that for negative mood, we will. I see. I see. So the, the effect of the negative mood actually will bleed over into uh, consumers thinking about these things. They'll, they'll see these irrelevant things as more relevant. Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. And over-process those. Interesting. So here, here's the interesting implication in your research, Anastasia, that I'd like you to comment on. So part of what it sounds like is... If I'm trying to get somebody, if, if I'm a company and I have, and I'm in that choice set, and I want them to choose me, and I don't want them to not choose because perhaps my hypothesis is that I want to close the sale and I want to do it now because extending it, choice deferral is bad for me because there are more opportunities for the sale not to happen. So, in that sort of context, then does your research suggest that we want to make sure that consumers are not in positive moods when they're making those choices? What what is the do you have an, a thought on the substantive implication because you you know your deep experience in advertising and having a background in industry. Have you thought about, you know, what this research might say about a situation like that? Yes, I think uh so the direct complication would, would have to be distinguished between what happens in advertisement, where we generally we only see one product, right? We very mm-hmm. rarely would see competitors' product back-to-back in advertising. Mm-hmm. And what actually going to happen in retail environment? Mm-hmm. Right? In retail environment, we're actually making choices, both online and sort of in brick and mortar. Mm-hmm. I think in retail environment, I'll be very cautious in trying to create an overly positive mood for choices that have important trade-offs for people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, on the other hand, advertisement, when I'm inflating single product, I think that's fine because at least it will form a connection in my mind between the product and sort of positive feelings. Very, very cool stuff. Yeah, I think this is fascinating, right? Because I, I can imagine, you know, you don't want people in a positive mood if they're on Amazon looking at these perhaps difficult choices. So the research definitely has some some very interesting substantive implications. We've got about a minute left, Anastasia. Tell us a little bit about what you're working on next. Um, so what we are looking at next is kind of a connection between um, positive mood and choices related to sort of goals, particularly in financial decision-making oh, context. Oh, interesting. Um, so in financial decision-making context, there's a lot of difficult trade-offs people have to make, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. How we allocate money between different accounts, right? Savings, spending, et cetera, how we set up budgets. Um, so we're trying to see if people who are in a positive affect, um, and a lot of companies now provide you sort of with this financial planning software, which is very positive, has bright colors, <laughs> uh, creating positive mood, mm-hmm. would actually lead to consumers' indecision oh. in those sort of budgeting allocation uh, choices. Interesting. So there's a huge social impact potentially or a kind of consumer welfare angle that you and your mm-hmm. colleagues can take on this next issue. I think it is. 
very they don't want people to be too happy when they make those choices. <laughs> yeah, they gotta be. They gotta <laughs> just focus, and they gotta make you know, gotta be more rational. Don't let this mood stuff, you know, sort of put those rose-colored lens on your uh, on your eyes, so to speak. Anastasia Pochipsova Gosh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. Thank it, you for talking about my research. Oh, uh, your research is unbelievable and very cool. It's fascinating. We were very pleased to have you. I hope you'll join us again, uh, listeners. If you're interested in learning more about Anastasia. You can head on over to marketing.eller.arizona.edu. That's marketing.eller.arizona.edu. Or if you want to learn more about a receipt, uh, more about her research, you can just follow her on Twitter at Apochept. So I'll spell that out for, spell that out for you guys at a p o c h e p t. Next up, ladies and germs, when we come back, we'll have Alan Gannett of Track Maven, and he will be talking about his new book. It's called The Creative Curve. Now, I don't fancy myself as super creative, but I want to learn how to be more and more creative. And so Alan is going to give us the science behind creativity and how to translate creativity into commercial success. You're listening to Marketing Matters. I'm Americus Reed. This is my music. I'm going to start bopping my head, and I'm going to see you on the other side of this break in just a minute on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play. 